This week on Excelsior Journeys, my guest is electric violinist, composer, producer, and performer Asher Lobb. For over 20 years, Asher has been entertaining his fans, and since the pandemic started in 2020, he has done his part to relieve any sort of additional burdens, anxieties, and depressions by creating live streams every week for his fans. He has entertained people throughout the world, and I am so excited to have this conversation with him to discuss everything that he's done and everything that he's doing. JLD, do the honors. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's you, why I moment? taught myself how to draw, was actually the little mermaid. Drawing stills Life of Ariel. On. I've got better things to do tonight than so die. So jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater with him saying, I'm going to write Halloween I'm sex. rather impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the car. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it. You know, throw yeah. some spaghetti yeah. against the wall. See this if it is sticks. George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. One of the things that I have really been keeping an eye on over the past few years is how the how the pandemic has forced a lot of people to basically really dive into all these different things in terms of art, music, film, television, all these things that really just kind of kept a lot of people going, especially during those the months of the pandemic where we were all quarantined basically in our own houses. And it's funny that uh, that there are so many people that really denigrate the arts as a profession, as a livelihood when it's the people like the artists, like the writers, like the like the filmmakers, like the actors, like the podcasters, like the musicians, like the poets. It was it was us that were really kind of providing so much, so much pleasure and so much so much of, of a means of allowing people to just kind of forget what's going on for a little while and just kind of feel good about themselves and know that. They always have this and eventually things are going to improve. So that's a real key element when it comes to having having different guests on this show, on the Excelsior Journeys podcast, because I really love putting the spotlight on all these creative people. I've been doing this for over 160 episodes. It's been an absolute pleasure doing it. And once again, through the magic of Podmatch, and again, I stress to all of my all of my fellow podcasters, if you're not on Podmatch, you're really missing out because there are some really amazing people there that reach out to you. And it turns out that they're all they always wind up being terrific matches for your show. And Asher Lobb is not is no exception to that at all. Asher is an electric violinist. He is a composer. He is a producer. He is a performer. He is constantly getting his work out there. And in 2022 alone, he's already released over a half dozen singles. So it is great to hear from a fellow artist who has been, as you'll hear, that was forced to pivot because of the because of what happened with the pandemic and has wound up reaching out to his fans in a whole new way that's wound up being a great success. So I am really looking forward to this conversation. It is my pleasure to introduce to you Asher Lobb. Asher, how are you, sir? Pretty good, George. Thanks so much for having me. Really an, an honor to be here on the show. 
And thank you so much for being here. Again, thank you for reaching out. Like this is, I, I again, I have to stress, Podmatch is a really wonderful tool for not only for podcasters but also for potential podcast guests because we don't we we don't know what what is what's out there. And so it's great for the guests to reach out to us to tell them about themselves. And sure enough, here here you are. So thank you again for for doing that. I appreciate it. Sure, sure. Thanks for having now, me. Now, now before we before we dive into your origin story, can you tell us a little bit about the latest singles that you've been been working on? Sure. Well, I've, I've released a number of singles since since January, actually, and prior to that. But some of them have been covers. Others have been originals and Atlantis is the most recent original and something I'm really proud of something that's really meaningful a real labor of love really a reflection of the last 20 years of my life specifically the ups and downs the the highs and the lows and it's an instrumental piece it doesn't have lyrics so it doesn't really tell you what to think how to interpret Mm -hmm. the song which I think has a lot of value in it in itself or sort of in this phase major record label phase where we are kind of told what to think, what to, what to list, what lyrics to, to repeat back. And it's a little more complex to kind of have, have this earworm that is an instrumental earworm. Yeah. Uh, Atlantis, a lot of people have been sort of DMing me saying, Oh yeah, this is really catchy, but it's kind of sophisticated, but it, uh, it, it still, it, t- it still tells a story. And mm-hmm. I want, I want to just welcome people to, to check it out. And even let me know what they think and what, what they think the story is about. But I can tell you that from my own vantage point, it's vaguely reflective of, of I think it, ha- it actually tells, a, tells a, not only a story, but relays a message, an important message that despite the ups and downs in your life, it's important to kind of stay, not get too excited about the highs and not too depressed over the lows. And I know that the pandemic was, is sort of one example of where we're all sort of collectively in this low state. Yeah. Uh, and many people got, got frustrated and depressed. People reached out to me and I didn't really realize how effective and how useful and meaningful just connecting with people through live streams, just through, through live performances on Facebook, for instance, uh, Instagram, so on and so forth, how, how useful it was to my listeners until they told me. Yeah. And they told me that there this many people just lost their lost their loved ones, their mm-hmm. their siblings, their their spouses. And it was just a real it was a real tough time and, and there wasn't enough credit being given to we were the we're the non non essential workers. Right. <laughs> the the, the right. people that really work work the emotions and connect to the emotions, which really in many ways is is very much essential. Yeah. We weren't doing the gardening or, or building things or or injecting medications, but we were, our medications that we were injecting were spiritual, emotional, and those, those things are important too. I love that. Injecting the spiritual medication. I think that that's, that's perfect really. And that's, it's, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. This is like, they don't need you till they need you. So, yeah, but, but thankfully, thankfully a lot of people needed us and, we were able to be there, whether it was, whether it was through music, whether it was through a podcast, whether it was through something that they were binge watching on Netflix and it, all of it, it's, it's all part of the same thing. It's all, none of it happens if we don't choose to go into these fields. 
Yeah. And I just want to emphasize that the big killer, while the big killer was being reported as COVID, mm-hmm. uh, easily just as big a killer was depression and suicide. The suicide yeah. rates through the roof, murder rates, all that stuff. So I don't want to like talk too much about the depressing stuff, but just think right. it's good for people to take that perspective as well. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's really great to focus on all the positives that we're able to bring. We're able to bring down the, those elements, bring down the cha- the possibilities of mm-hmm. those, those killers really kind of going yeah. through the roof the way you said. Yeah. And I didn't, by the way, I wouldn't have emphasized this if I hadn't literally been told this by like firsthand by mm-hmm. some of my biggest supporters, you literally saved me, Asher. I mean, I, I still wow. don't, I still have trouble wrapping my head around it because I, I don't naturally get depressed. I'm not at least just, I mean, something can be, can be circumstantial if you, if you lose a, a loved one, but I don't yeah. trend towards that sort of state of mind where I, I, I would, God forbid, consider killing myself. Right. But people, many people have actually told me like you saved my life and wow. That's so, giving me a whole new mission. That's amazing. And that's, that's something I'm, I'm really glad to hear. It's something that you, that you're obviously not taking lightly and it's something that it's, it's, it's great to hear that someone was able to reach out to you, which is something that I've really made a point to say many, many times on this show and out in real life, that if someone affects you in a positive way, please let them know it because we've seen way too many stories from and so many different comments about great people that have left us. And it's just filled with comments talking about how great that person is. And it just makes me think like, well, did you get to tell them that while they were still with us? And that's something that I really feel like is something that I've made a mission to have people say, just like if someone affects you in a real positive way, if someone inspires you, then please let them know because they could be going through a a really bad time and knowing that they were able to do that for you will be what gets them out of the funk that they're in. So that's something that I really, really like to emphasize as well. Yeah. This feedback, the DMs, the comments, they, they really gave me new purpose and, and, and made me complete, really understand that I have a mission here um, mm-hmm. as a musician. And, and that's, by the way, in the context, just so you guys understand my background, I have a nursing degree. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I taught in the South Bronx for four years. So wow. moving into music, it was more about j- finding joy in life. Mm-hmm. Not that I discount the incredible value that, that nursing and education impacts, impacts individuals, especially from low SES communities. But mm-hmm. uh, now I see it after post-pandemic as in many ways, it's it's a form of nursing. I mean, music therapy has been incorporated into the medical system for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> with that in mind, let's go back to the beginning of it all. So you said that you were you have, have a nursing degree, but at the same time, I always like to kind of equate I'm a non-practicing the direction. Nurse. I'm sorry. I'm a non-practicing nurse. I'm a full time musician. Non-practicing nurse. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things that I always like to hear about is what I like to call the lightning bolt moment. And that's that moment where you experience something or 
meet someone or hear something and it just kind of makes you want to go in that direction and say, that's the kind of life I want to live. What was it about music that really kind of set you on that path? Well, it was, it was actually many moments, but there were some big moments and Mm -hmm. the biggest moments were, I'm going to say the catalyst was landing myself in a wheelchair. And I don't want to, I don't want to beat that point to death because to my repeat listeners and many, I I have a number that pretty much (laughs) listen to every podcast that I, that I, or, or interview that I, that I give, but. Well, my, I, one of the things that I always like to point out is that every podcast is someone's first podcast. So it's it's kind of I, it's kind of like what Stan Lee said about comics. Every comic is someone's first comic. So the fact that uh, that that I get to introduce you to my listeners, bring it on, whatever. Yeah, know, all sure. all the details about what's going on. Sure, sure. All the gory details. I'll try to make it. I don't want to bore them too much, but but there there is definitely something dramatic, even in retrospect, thinking looking at how just. <clears throat> looking at myself as a healthy person who thought I was pretty much immortal and then landing myself in a wheelchair, like where the hell did this come from? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was almost immediate. It was a very short period of time. And and then almost even quicker, just getting myself out of it within a few, I'm going to say about six months or so oh, wow. in six, seven years, seven, eight years since, since then I've been, I've been pretty productive and healthy since then. Adrenal insufficiency is not something you take lightly. It's not, it's not something you mess around with. And, and in my case, it was supposed to be permanent and it is mm. permanent in the sense that it's something I need to manage, but I wasn't really expected to get better, to get off Cortef, which is pretty much, I was on a permanent dosage of that steroid, but, it, but it's something that I've been able to manage uh, with my knowledge and with my persistence, uh, unconventional thinking also just thinking outside of the box, which also is reflected in my music. It's, if you listen to it, it's pretty unconventional. It's pretty much everything yeah. about my life is unconventional, especially my history. So I'm going to say that was the aha moment. Or the I don't give an f moment that I'm I, I'm not looking to please anybody. I'm looking to well, I am looking to please my listeners. But as far as the joy that I'm looking to impart and the joy that I'm looking to experience in my own life, as part of that, is uh, essentially music is is uh, allows me to achieve that that end more so than any other experience. And nice. uh, realizing how life how short life really is having experienced that at a very young age, we're talking like thirties, like 32, mm. whatever. Yeah. Uh, makes me realize that uh, I, I think I made the right decision for myself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Despite so, the oh yeah. <laughs> so, so tell us about the first time that you really kind of, cause you, you, you're as an electric violinist, that's a, that's a really, that's a really interesting instrument to go for. What was it about that that really kind of grabbed your attention? So just to, before I elaborate on that, I want people to understand, I, I didn't just kind of hop on the electric violin after I got out of that wheelchair. I, that that was literally the middle of my career. I I, I lost the ability, to, the strength to, to hold the instrument. I, I already had a prior career in music while yeah. I was working my way through school, pursuing other other degrees. But I, I so ha, already having had that experience, I sort of went back to that, mm-hmm. the, the, my, my years in the industry and already achieving a certain degree of success. And I realized like, that's really what I need. That's really what I, what I want. And uh, uh, so back to your question, the, the, the electric violin is, it's, it's a bit different than the acoustic classical mm-hmm. traditional instrument, which I play also. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit heavier and that, that's, that's not something that, that's actually something that's, that's important to mention in the context of my, my state of health, because it's, it's heavy for somebody like myself. It's not so easy right. to lift. But but I play it because of its versatility, its its volume control, my ability to play in so many different contexts with bands, 
mm-hmm. um, not having to deal with feedback, which those of you just, I'm sure most people know what feedback is talk on a mic and it's pointing at a speaker and you get some screechy sound that, oh, yeah. that easily happens with an open body instrument, like an acoustic mm-hmm. in the case of an electric it's closed body. You don't really deal with that, that type of messiness in the, in the audio, but I don't know if I'm answering your question because I digress a little bit. That's all right. You are. It's and there's, there is a, a very, there is a very distinct sound that comes from the electric violin. So it's, yeah. What is it about it that really kind of grabbed your attention in the first place? So I didn't like it initially because it didn't really reflect the kind of tone that I really wanted to produce out of it. It was sort of this messy version of an electric of of a violin and a mm-hmm. guitar without actually achieving its full beauty. But after a number of years working my DAW, my digital audio workstation and, mm-hmm. and doing some engineer work, engineer work and producing my own music, my singles, which are on Spotify, iTunes and Deezer, so on and so forth. I learned how to properly process and program my instrument, my electric, so that it sounds like an authentic acoustic and it sounds like an authentic guitar. So yeah. I'm able to get those tones to the best of, of anybody's ability and actually mm-hmm. get some more pleasure out of sounding as good as anybody else on stage nice. without the side effects. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So we were talking before about how the pandemic kind of forced you to pivot when it came to your performance. So how long were you on stage performing before the pandemic hit? Since 2001 professionally, oh, but wow. since two, literally, I'm going to say I was on stage first, first time I was on stage, probably three, four doing the Suzuki methods. I was in these big groups of other equally intense parents who wanted their kids to start ridiculously young. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Proman or Itak Proman started at five. So wow. honestly, I, I, I mean, that's that always part of you. This, the, this whole field, like the arts, they were always part of you. It's just a matter of how you were going to use them in your life. Yeah. And I wasn't expected to make it my full-time career. Um, mm-hmm. Ironically, it was just supposed to be, kind of an appendage part of my resume, just an enrichment for my mind following after my, my, my aunt Sheila and the Boston symphony. Oh, wow. Probably has never heard, heard any of my, my interviews, but uh, if she does, she'd probably drop, (laughs) drop, like she'd, she'd be a little shocked that I keep mentioning her, but yeah, I think that she was the main, main catalyst, main inspiration. Really? So, so did you get to see her in concert? And then yeah. just kind of realized like, wow, this is, this is really powerful. This is really amazing. I would love to be a part of that. Yeah. I was always, in, I, was, I didn't see her, her in a lot of concerts, but I saw her in some ma- major ones in Tanglewood where the Boston symphony plays during the summer. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, that's my aunt. Like, nice. Like, and then I get to play for her and it's that that's, that's an inspiration in itself. Nice. So like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Doing this. So what was it like actually as a musician and everything, the first time getting on stage, what was that feeling like once you, once you were kind of in the, in the position where you are now? Well, oh, so professionally is not as intimidating as a child, definitely intimidating and anxiety inducing and what the hell is going on around me. And that was even (laughs) being in the, in the company of my equally confused days and confused, like peers who were also like three, four, five, (laughs) <laughs> right. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? You know, like I, I, I just, we just introduced my four-year-old daughter to soccer. And so 
there were a lot of kids that were there that were just, they were sitting down there, they were pulling on the weeds and everything. And others were just hanging out like over in uh, behind the net. So yeah, it's, it's very, it's very interesting to kind of see how everyone just kind of corrals them into a certain way. So being up on stage, I'm sure that's even more intimidating because you're literally like on the stage in front of everyone. So it's deer in the headlights, intimidating, yep. except when you see your friends on either side of you picking up their instruments, you're like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to do that too. You yeah. forget everything that you were supposed to learn. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as a professional musician, what was that feeling like knowing that this was, this was something that you're going to be, this is something that's going to, you're going to make this happen. Yeah. So after about 15, 16 years of, of this sort of, this experience of being in front of an audience becomes much less intimidating and you sort of mature and it's, you're able to kind of look at people in the audience and not feel like their wrath. This, this like (laughs) fear inside this irrational fear. Yeah. And, And I actually started to crave that the audience attention and nice. And then it sort of balanced out where the need for that kind of attention was not as, as important as, the need to connect with people through music. Mm-hmm. So I think that was sort of a level of maturity that I, that I reached after, after a number of years of playing professionally, but initially it was like, yeah, I, I like that. I like the feeling of like being front and center and playing and like getting that positive response. It gets, it's always fun. It's always, it, it's always a bit of a high, but especially yeah. at a large concert stage like Madison square garden, but you kind of want more of that, but. Oh Yeah. It's, it's, it's not as, it's not as, as healthy of, of a high as, as it is connecting with people. I'm going to say through, through social media, playing for them. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. saying social media is healthy. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a little yeah. healthy. Again. Just like, just like with everything, it has its pitfalls and it's, it's basically a tool and how people choose to use it. That's what unfortunately leads to a lot of people's downfall. Yeah, there's a lot of toxicities in that. Yeah. I'm going to say the least toxic and actually the most healthy from my experience of all aspects of social media, online, whatever, is podcasts. So just doing this is is really meaningful and it's deep and it's like any listener who bothers to like hang out with us yeah. during an interview, like wants to know more about the person, doesn't just want to flip through, scroll through the, just see like 10 seconds of somebody's jibber jabbering or playing. Yeah, I I remember I remember hearing hearing a great statistic saying that one listener on a podcast is worth a hundred YouTube listeners or YouTube I, watchers. I totally believe it, and yeah, it's like it's like the fast food restaurant compared to I don't know, like the Whole Foods, if you will, sure right? <laughs> For lack of a better <laughs> example, just like the nutrition, like the depth. The, the vitamins. Exactly. And, I don't know. Man. Yeah. This is like, do you want to go to, I'm, I'm not equating myself to like fine dining or anything, but I will say <laughs> that it does take a little longer to, to get my stuff out there than it does for someone to record something in about five minutes or something, or do like a quick lip sync on TikTok. And yeah. I've done plenty of lip syncs on TikTok on my, on my own time. But the, but yeah, it, when it comes to, when it comes to that, it does take a lot to create one of these episodes. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that it's been a positive experience for you. Just being a part of this, being a part of this crazy world of podcasts. 
Absolutely has been. And, and it's been a, a new adventure for me. And it's really been very, very meaningful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So before the pandemic hit, before that hit, how many singles had you had up to that point? So I'm going to estimate about one a month. So what is that like? 12, 24, 32 or something like that. I'm going to say about like maybe a little less, I don't know, 30. A lot of, a lot of music has been produced. And that's just, yeah. that's, that's the curated stuff. That's not even, that's not even the stuff. That's not even, and that's not even before the pandemic hit. Like that's before, like before everyone was quarantined and everything. So you were already producing a real good array of music already. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say for sure, quite, quite a lot. I was just pumping out the content and connecting with the fans, but I want to say in the context that, um, I feel like it's incumbent upon me as having had this experience that DistroKid, they, they, they distribute music and artists like myself, I've used a couple of different dis- distributors, but I'm disappointed to share that one of my covers was actually that you do, you, you can get it license cover license, uh, yeah. which is pretty much the whole world does. And they mm-hmm. pre-cover to cover the license before it's actually posted, published. So there's one song, Ratsalambion, I, I posted and I, I paid for, for the rights to publish it. Because it was my mm-hmm. original cover of that song, which literally the whole world does, right? Yeah. And and there are many covers of it online and on Spotify. So they, I don't think they actually got my cover. I don't think they actually used my money to get to cover the license. And I'm actually concerned that they're not doing this with other other independent musicians because mm-hmm. they they told me once it was promoted and it got a good amount of streams that it was taken down. Oh. And, and this was the contact of Sony to determine why it was taken down or to ask them to, to repost it. I sent them an email, respectfully asking them why I got the cover license. I paid for it mm-hmm. and via district kid. And they, and they never got back to me. They did. They didn't have, they, I would be happy if somebody covered my song as long as they'd cover the license. Right. Right. Especially if it's an original cover, like they own the masters, but it was based off of my song. Like mm-hmm. that's a compliment. If anything, they had no response. So I got yeah. combat contact the district and said, Hey, what's going on with that? Like, why didn't, why did you, like, did you actually not cover the license? Because if you had, this probably wouldn't have happened. No right. response. So I think I'm ready to move on to a different company, but I just wanted to share that with anybody who is a musician that I had this experience. I think mm. that it's important for these mega companies that that deal with so many different artists. I think that yes. there should be a degree of accountability. Same with Spotify for independent artists like, like myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to do anything that's going to wind up getting you in trouble with, with this and something like that. And I mean, the main thing is with with music, with with everything that's there, it's it's there once it's there and it's it's there to be sent out. It's there to be listened to. It's there to be read. It's there to be heard. It's there to be seen. And if there's no means of distribution if there, if it gets taken down for some reason, then that that's a that's a hamper right there that's yeah if it's clear if it's not if it's going to be taken down initially youtube they actually have the decency now probably because because of the whole lot of feedback yeah uh, from from people who are posting and reusing old content in the context of their new content Mm -hmm. and they tell you immediately before you publish it this is this is going to be taken down or this is not acceptable or this is not accepted by whatever major label or major major distributor. They, they didn't do that. They waited two months to say, oh yeah, we got a problem with this, even though it's made from scratch, literally made from scratch. Every instrument 
Mm-hmm. And then didn't even have the common de- the decency to respond to me. So that's a major financial loss for an independent, independent artist like myself. Yeah. And th- there's got to be accountability there. And I- I'm always, I'm pretty much, this is the first time I think I've been actually negative on a podcast mm-hmm. because I-, I think that there's no other, there's no other way to get this information out to the public other than like posting some nasty message on my social media. And I don't want it to be about that. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. I've helped somebody. That's yeah. That's the that's the way I look at this as well. This is a cautionary tale about what yes. could happen if you're not careful. If the if the, the 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 distributor that you are putting your trust into is not careful, so right. that right there, if if at least one musician hears this and is able to heed this warning and is able to avoid that pitfall, then we've done our job. That's the way I yeah. look at it. It's not, I, I don't look at it as, as a negative. I look at it as this happened to me. Make sure you follow, you make sure it doesn't happen to you. So yeah, that's, that's the way I, that's the way I look at it. So I wouldn't say, say that this was negative. I say that this was productive. So that's, that's the way I, I would look at it there. Thank you. I mean, if, if you're to maybe consider doing like cover song license directly, maybe that, that mm-hmm. would be, a possible way to prevent the pitfall. I don't know. Yeah. And there are, this is also something that's great for, there's also something great for a lot of different authors to hear as well, because we always have these book trailers that we're putting together to promote our books. And we got to have that music to go with it. That really good piece of music. That's going to grab people's attention. And you always have to make sure that it is, either royalty free or if you have the permission to go ahead and, and use it, because that could create a problem too, if you don't. So again, th- this is just us making sure that everyone who is going to be using music in any way to be very, very careful with it. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And also uh, be careful about who your distributor is. If they're just taking your money to take your money and they're not actually using it. Like, I don't know if they actually spent spent the money and paid mm-hmm. the, uh, the cover song licensing company directly. They may right. have just money and they could be doing this on mass. I have no idea, but there should be some degree of accountability there also. But yeah, guys consider carefully who you're, who you're, who's distributing your, your content. Yeah. Yeah. So Even if they are in fact verified or validated by Spotify themselves. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. And so 2020 comes around pandemic hits and all of a sudden everyone is locked away venues are shut down restaurants are shut down and all of a sudden life is life is a lot different for people and like i said before the when when people were experiencing this they went to netflix they went to podcasts they went to youtube they went to social media they did everything that they could to get some sort of a relief from this just to, as a reminder that things are going to be all right. They went to their creature comforts and for a lot of people that was music and that's where you came in. So yeah. tell us a little bit about the decision to pivot the way you did. Well, I, I, I invested so much time and, and money and effort, hard blood, sweat, tears into music at that point. It's true. I could have gone into nursing, but it, it was, <laughs> there's also a, a risk in, in itself, also just being exposed to many, many other patients. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, had, I had earned a decent income in music up till that point. And, and it's, I pivot, I 
I decided to pivot within music because I had, I, I had all the, I built, I've, I'd already built an audience and a connection and it's, it's, it was just, it was, it was traumatizing to even consider throwing, throwing away something that I found so much joy in and that other mm-hmm. people found joy in, in me, me producing as a result. So I, I went straight into live streaming on Facebook and found that there was, and I, I haven't stopped ever since there's, there's just been a lot of outpouring of support mm-hmm. as a result. And, and it's something that I just really enjoy connecting with people across the country and different parts of, of Europe and Israel, Middle East also, which is Israel. And I've sort of, yeah, I just, I didn't stop. I didn't stop producing singles. I didn't stop producing music. And I, I continued to post the music videos and that was pretty much my backup income. And I wow. started to find ways to kind of stay within the industry so that I didn't have to, to leave it. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Tell us about the first time that you were able to get on there. What was that whole experience like? The live streaming? Yeah. Well, it was it was pretty it was pretty frustrating actually because <laughs> the, all the glitches with live streaming are just endless. And I have to say, it's not easy to live stream. It's, if you do, if you do it from your phone, it's a little easier. Yeah. Uh, but but if you want to do it with like a green screen green screen behind your back, which I have, you can see my studio here. Mm. It, it requires a lot. Like you got to use OBS, and then and and then your your studio might go into Universal Audio. Did your your preamp which pretty much improves the quality of the audio from the mic. And then from there into OBS, which is like a studio program. Those of you guys don't, don't know it it's on your laptop or desktop. And then from there into your, into Facebook or zoom, whatever it is that you're using to connect with people. That's a yeah. lot of connections that can go wrong, especially if you don't have a dedicated live streaming expert. So mm-hmm. it was a big learning curve for me. And then there's the, the latency issues. Mm-hmm. Even once you have everything perfect and the audio is great, the latency is, is a problem because you can't really connect with people in real time. There's like this 20 second delay. (laughs) So it doesn't exist that way really with the phone, but you don't get the same audio quality. So it was quite challenging. Yeah. So, but, but as you were, as you were performing, did you notice like the comments really coming in as you were going? Yeah. But the comments were related to something I did like (laughs) 20 seconds or a minute ago. And I had to sort of, yeah, I had to sort of like un- unpack that, those comments. It was, took a little little bit of time to, to factor in the latency there. Yeah, so you didn't really, you couldn't really have a good steady flow of a conversation because of that, right? Not, just because of like how I, you had to keep on, you had to keep on almost like repeating yourself each time. Yeah, and I had to kind of scroll up, and sometimes there were glitches in the and there there are there there were a lot of the glitches on on Facebook over over time. But but doing it, but using the phone, it's been it's just it's been more manageable, and I don't see the delays as often. And it would just be really nice if if it was easier to live stream through through your computer, so you could kind of make the background more interesting. And mm-hmm. I don't know if we had large larger bandwidths. I know we have the five G network, but it just it still hasn't. I have I have pretty perfect Wi-Fi connection, and it's, there's still that delay. And I, it's a pretty pretty yeah. good equipment, but I don't know. I guess get you have to spend upwards of two thousand dollars on your live streaming equipment to mitigate the, the latency. But I think it's still there. Sort of like getting everything hardwired and into into everything in order to really make it work. They they always say that when it comes to when it comes to doing 
things like like StreamYard, where we are right now. Yes. So yeah, I don't want to jinx myself, but I am still <laughs> using Wi-Fi, but I'm also connected. I have my I have an Ethernet cable connected to a Wi-Fi extender to give it that little extra oomph. And that's been helping me quite a bit over the past year. So So that's awesome. I don't know if I could do that through my Google hotspot. I, I have hotspots because Two levels above me is where my my internet is, so I yeah. basically have to create hotspots all over my my the space my my, my studio space here. Yeah, uh, but so far so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and like I've been I've been very satisfied with the with the connection and everything, and I'm sure that I'm gonna wind up jinxing myself through all of this, but still I am I I have not I have not had any serious issues. Very, very much in, in quite a while, thankfully. So, yeah, I've, I've always found that the Wi Fi is much, yes, much, I'm more almost done in here, honey. Good. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right. <laughs> well, maybe my kids two, two floors up screaming her head off. So, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this has been happening for like, it's not a surprise anymore. You listen to NPR, watch NBC, all these, these high profile interviews, they, they have their kids like running into the, into the, their office. And there is that. Yeah, th- th- that is, there is that. So you, you definitely have to kind of add that to a little spot spontaneity go- going in just to try to keep people on their toes, I guess. Yeah. People like, well, let's get back, let's get back to, to what we were, what we were saying before. So, so as you're doing this, as you're, you're getting the hang of doing all of these live, these live streams you were doing, cause you wound up doing, what of doing them on a pretty regular basis, right? Yeah, every week, pretty much. Excellent, excellent. And did you notice your fan base growing as it was as it was doing this? Were you able to just kind of retain the fan base that you had, or were you able to pivot off of that and even expand it even further? I found that I had <clears throat> I developed some hardcore repeat fans over many many months and years, and some of them have stuck with me for literally just they're still here after like three, four years, three years, no, wait, two, two, two years or so, two and a half years. Um, two and a half years. Yeah. And, but I, I think it, I always try to find patterns with my fan base and it's, it's, it's a little confusing to be honest, because like my, my posts, my regular posts, they, mm-hmm. they tended to be like over this past year, way more, like they tended to trend a hell of a lot more than my live streams. But now yeah. it's the opposite. My live streams are trying, like I have thousands of, of, of views and people just commenting that I haven't seen, I haven't met before and it's exciting, but then it's like my posts are, have dropped. It's confusing to me. Yeah. It's like my, my followers have increased by thousands and they keep mm-hmm. increasing, but then my posts drop. I don't get, the, I don't get social media. It confuses me to no end, but I yeah. just keep you know, riding the wave and trying to connect with as many people as possible. So nobody, nobody has explained it to me. I don't think Facebook, <laughs> I don't think Instagram, I don't think Twitter understands. I think this maybe the CEOs possibly do. People have tried oh, to, expl- to explain it to me. And it just, for some reason, it always processes like Charlie Brown's teacher. So I, it's very difficult for me to really kind of get the hang of that part of it is reaching out through people through social media and, basically like cultivating a, a a passionate fan base. I feel like the, there's the people that have, that have been listening. I am very, very grateful to, and 
I hope that that as time passes, I'm able to grow that a little bit more, especially with the different projects that I have on the horizon. And one of which is going to be, I don't want to announce it right now, but it will be announced in the coming weeks. But I am, I'm hopeful for the future. (laughs) Oh man. I'm like, oh, please tell, please share. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. So I'll 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 drop this a little bit. So I've I have create created a partnership with two other podcasters, and we're in the works to create a podcast network. So oh, something to start up in January of 2023. So that's something. Well, we got we got we got to have the time to get everything all set, get the structure, get the get the shows because we want to start right out the gate with ten shows. So, yeah, so it's a matter of recruiting other people into joining us and people that have ideas for shows that they've never really jumped forward into that they can that they can go ahead and that they can go ahead and pre- present to us and see if it's a good fit for what we want to do. So that's actually worth worth dropping for this week. So that way I can announce the full on name of it and everything on my four year anniversary show. So that'll be fun. Very cool. Yeah. I'm excited for you. Look oh, thank you. you. Thank you. And I'm excited for you too. Like seeing all of the, the, as you've been going, as you've been, been been not only keeping but then expanding on this fan base as you're going and then as you said in january since january over a half dozen singles that's that is phenomenal work right there thank you it's been it's been a lot of work um especially with a health condition of my own i've just been a total workaholic it's been it's been a non-stop go to go to sleep very late and then i do a lot of events uh, and i travel and stuff like that Throughout the year, to, to, so you're back mm, on the road. I try. I, I plan all over the tri-state, and I fly to like Florida, California, to Maui, Hawaii, Texas. Like I just I do gigs all over the place. So while maintaining like a connection on social media, so it's 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 nonstop. Are you able to do live streaming at events? With I don't. Well, so if it's a private event, I don't really live stream it. Well, even yeah. with public concerts, I don't even live stream because I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and mm. I, I, like, I don't necessarily have somebody totally reliable who I know I could trust to like get all the the angles. I don't know. I, I maybe eventually. Yeah, I, I don't feel. I feel like it, that's a whole other thing I have to tackle at some point. Right. Not there yet. Oh yeah, and and it also it creates a little extra bit of FOMO for people that have the ability to go see one of your shows and just haven't made the, made the leap yet. But if they see some little behind the scenes elements of you getting ready to get out on the stage or coming off the stage and talking about how great a time it was, then that might entice people into saying like, Oh, I should buy a ticket so I can be there for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll post some teasers, some occasional videos, but yeah, I haven't posted much. I haven't posted much uh, in respect to concerts or live streaming and that stuff, but I guess it's something I could work on. I, I tend to like curate stuff around like comedic elements of music. Cause I just find like, I don't know, I have better control if I'd screw something up. I don't have to worry about all the haters. <laughs> There's so many haters out there. It's actually hilarious at this point. Yeah. Uh, so, so if, yeah. so if people are wanting to, go in that in that sort of direction if they feel that 
they have music in their heart, they want to get it out there. What would you suggest as the first step that they should take to get their work out there? Well, if you don't have a fan base and there's music that you're attracted to that you want to share, just uh, kind of the way the whole system's structured, you just don't think about it too much. You just produce something you think is, is high quality that uh, share with your friends, ask them if, if you think that what do they associate with, which artists do they associate this with and kind of try to target those types of fans, those listeners and get it out there and see, see where it goes. See if it, it honestly, a lot of things are about as an independent artist are about testing and, yeah. uh, and finding what works, avoiding things that don't work. And that's uh, kind of, the way I've managed my career nice. that responding as much as I can to, to fans. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And speaking of fans, where can, where can your fans, where can my, my listeners, where can everyone find you on social media? So check me out Asherlaub, A-S-H-E-R-L-A-U-B. You can Google my name pretty much anywhere and find me on all major platforms. Spotify, Deezer, iTunes, Pandora. On social media, if you want to see some of my shenanigans, I post a lot of music there also. Not curated so much. Instagram, Facebook, I go live. So I'll connect with fans probably mostly there at, at the moment. YouTube, I, those are like my music videos for the most part. Sometimes I do some reviews of products, but most of the music videos. <clears throat> I have at Asher's Club. I don't want to like, there's like literally, there's there's a lot of channels, but searching my name is probably the the, the best way to, to find all the different aspects of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, Astro Land is like my blog channel. So I've got a bunch of channels. If you want to kind of check out my interviews also, just search, search my name. Fabulous. And I know that they will definitely be doing that because there are a lot of people that are dealing with a whole lot of issues and music is a key element that really kind of takes people's minds off of things. So as part of that profession, I have nothing but respect and admiration for everything you, you're doing. I love that you're doing it. I love that you've been able to pivot and get your work out there, get your message out there and get back on the road because we need you guys. We need the musicians. We need the artists. We need the filmmakers. We need the actors that are getting us through these hard times. A lot of people think that this is, as I said before, a lot of people think that this is a lesser means of making a living. But if it weren't for us and if it weren't for, for all of you guys, that this world would be a lot more boring than, than it is right now. It'd be a lot more depressing. People need different forms of emotional connection. Something becomes more and more apparent the older I get and the more people I meet. Absolutely. Yeah. So so with, with all of that in mind for Asher Love, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, Ever Upward, and I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, 
comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com. <laughs>